and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Thanks for doing this, Bill. My pleasure. So let me ask you this. I want to start here. Uh, you were, how how many years, what was your first year on the Laker beat? <laughs> My first year on the Laker beat was 2013. So uh, you didn't even have the Nash Dwight year? No, I got there after Kobe had torn his Achilles. Okay. So I, I came back for like the, I, I showed up just in time for everybody expecting Kobe to miraculously run out on opening night with a fully healed Achilles and be back to normal. So, in I that's I think I think, think that's kind of what I thought. So let me ask you this: even with so this current Blazers team, as much as you know they're very flawed for all the reasons we're gonna get into. Outside of the Lakers title team in the bubble in 2020, is this the best team you've ever covered? <laughs> um, I think that I would probably give an edge to the 21 Lakers team, the, the 2021 one that lost Lakers, to Phoenix in the first the round. The one that lost to Phoenix in the first round but was, you know, I mean, had pretty significant injuries, had a 2-1 lead on Phoenix in the first round. Right. I think that team I, you know, you know, I I have been pretty critical of the Lakers and their many flaws for many years, but I think that team probably would have gotten to the finals if um if AD hadn't gotten hurt in the first round. So I I, I think that team and as well as as well as the team that won the championship in the bubble, which I think is pretty right. clearly the best Obviously team I've covered. That one yeah. is- but then after that, yeah, I mean I've covered a lot of losing basketball, Sean. <laughs> and it's not just it's not just in the NBA either. Like it goes back. It goes back to when I covered college basketball in Utah. Uh-huh. Um, my first year on the beat covering the University of Utah was um Larry Krasoviak's first year, the year that the Utes joined the Pac twelve and they won five or six games overall. And in November or December we ran a big banner headline on the front page of the sports section asking if they were the worst college or worst major basketball team ever, like worst college team ever based on everything. I mean, they lost to San Diego Christian college. Like there was a lot going on with that team. So um, did you overlap with my guy, Jim Boylan? I might have the kiss of death when it comes to college basketball. Uh, Jim was in Salt Lake when I was there. Uh I did not cover him and didn't know him, but I, I, you know, know him a little bit now through the NBA. Yeah. So, so, so you weren't you weren't there when he was the coach at, at Utah because that was apparently legendary. I had him with the Bulls briefly, and that you know. <laughs> yeah, I took I took over the beat the year after he got fired, and yeah. all and and Krasoviak came in and essentially like you know cleaned house like all the players who had been there with Boylan transferred, and so Krasoviak had to fill out a roster on really short notice and ended up with, with a bunch of Chuko guys. I mean, you might have been able to start at center, Sean. Uh, that's actually a joke that, uh, that Chauncey Billups makes a lot. Not about me. I don't think I would start at center on any teams, but like sometimes like when, when they had, this this is more so true last year, you know, the second half Mm -hmm. of the year after they shut Dame down and traded everyone and they were starting like Kelgen Blevins and, uh, Elijah Hughes for like multiple games and playing them 35 minutes a game. We would be asking Chauncey who the starters were going to be in that game. And he would say, 
Well, I'm going to start Aaron Fentress at, at small forward. I'm going to start Jason Quick at power forward. <laughs> like, I don't think he actually said he was going to start me, which, like, I couldn't even, I don't know. I, I couldn't even make the cut on, like, that version of the Blazers that he was starting with all the beat writers. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, listen, that was a good, those were good, that was a good Blazers team based on what I saw. They beat the, they beat, they beat the Lakers before the All-Star break. So, <laughs> that, um, was... that was, I came, I, I came up here and watched that. I came away impressed. I was like, Kelgen Blevins, get that, get that guy a multi-year yeah. deal. Dame's cousin, there you go. I don't even, he's, I think he just signed in Romania, I saw the other day. So he's, he's still grinding. He's still getting after it. Yeah. Uh, and looks like in Bucharest. Okay. That's something like, something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, like Dame, Dame couldn't get him a job on like the player development staff or something with the, I mean, I don't know. He got, he got, he got him, he got him two years of a two-way contract. That's I guess. Yeah, but if you're a player, you'd rather be playing overseas right. and like chasing sure, the sure. dream and like trying to work your way back to the league, than you know, than at, at like how old's Kelgen Blevins? Like, <laughs> poor Kelgen Blevins. This is we're, he's 27. You he's know, a good, so it's he's like, a good guy. We're not trying to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like he like you know it makes sense. Like you know he's going to chase the dream as long as he can. Like I would too. I think that that's that's one of the things about about basketball and like guys trying to get to the NBA. Uh-huh. It take, takes them to a lot of pretty crazy places sometimes. Well, that's kind of one of the guys that is on this team that has kind of taken he he wasn't playing like overseas multiple years but just like kind of a cir- circuitous you, you know the word i'm saying I, I that that's one of the few words i like hack I, I can't pronounce like a like he, he took a very writers, long not talkers yes yes exactly like we you know the, the the do the podcast because that's where the ad money is and the youtube money and all that stuff now but yes we are we are we are writers of the written word but he took a vi- you know very long route to being an entrenched NBA rotation player, and that's Gary Payton II, who, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen over the last couple of weeks or so the impact that he has actually had on the team. Like, since he's finally gotten healthy, and, you know, there was a whole weird situation with his recovery from the surgery, the core muscle, you know, all that stuff. But now he's yeah. finally back, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what they signed him to do. It's, it's kind of changed the tone of the team, I felt like. Yeah, I think when you talk, look at how like Chauncey talked about the team early on about uh-huh. how they were going to be so tenacious defensively and and they were going to be so connected and it was going to start with the defense, and I I think that that was really based on having you know starting with Gary Payton. I think that you right. know, Gary Payton is kind of the heart of that, and you've got other guys: Justice Winslow, Nasir Little, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant. You know, as a defender in, in you know throughout his career, so you know. I think that it really conceptually made a lot of sense and we still haven't seen it at full strength, right? We haven't seen, we haven't seen Gary Payton and, and Justice Winslow all healthy at the same time, but just getting Gary Payton back feels like, you know, you've finally gotten over the, you know, you kind of, you've kind of crested the ridge on that one a little bit. So seeing that, seeing him pick guys up 94 feet, nobody else is doing that on this team. Um, they also haven't had the depth to really deploy anybody right. to pick up 94 feet, but like seeing, seeing Gary Payton kind of take that on and, and be that guy, you know, especially after a long layoff, you can tell that he's eager, you know, he wants to make his, make his mark and, and show that he was worth the contract. And so I thought, you know, that first game that he played, I can't remember who they played in that first game when he came Detroit. back, but Detroit, you know, I mean, he's disrupting inbounds passes. He's picking up, you know, he's getting steals. Um, that's what they signed him to do. And, you know, he's a guy who makes, any team, I wonder, it makes any team like 10% better. You know what I mean? And so if he's like, you know, on a bad team, like he would get more numbers and he'd make them incrementally better. Like he's not going to turn a lottery team into a playoff team, but he can turn a 
you know, a back end playoff team into a team that wins a first round series, or he can turn a two seed into an NBA champion. Like, I think that, you know, whatever team he's on, he's going to just kind of, you know, crank up the intensity enough in a meaningful way to like elevate the team from whatever tier they're into the next. And that's something Chauncey has talked about too, since he's come back is that you can physically, you know, this is something that I even noticed in those first couple of games that he played. You can just like physically notice and tangibly notice everybody else on the Mm -hmm. floor playing harder on defense when he checks into the game, because he has that kind of quality where it's like, if you're not playing as hard as he is on that end, you look bad. And I, you know, I, so I covered Gary in LA, uh, when he was on a two-way there. Um, but I see it almost as like the Alex Caruso effect. That's exactly who and, I was going to bring and, up. And and it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, Alex Caruso is... at Alex Caruso, I think, is a little more refined at what Gary Payton does than uh-huh. Gary... I mean, I think, I think Alex is a little bit better at it. Um, but, you know, both those guys have that same impact where they come in, they start diving after balls, and, like, you see it, you know, in the superstars, too. It's not just you know, all of a sudden, you know, Nasir Little thinks he needs to be getting after it a little bit more too. You don't want to be the guy on the floor who isn't holding up his his weight defensively when you see, you know, a guy, you know, bodying up, you know, you know, really embracing those switches. Like, I, I think that you just love that intensity. And so seeing guys um, sort of try to mimic that intensity is is really um, cool. And, and, and something that I think the Blazers were – were lacking. I think they were lacking some of that defensive focus and just sort of want to, when you saw like that losing streak, you know, the game at Oklahoma, the games at Oklahoma city. Yeah. They needed just sort of that more disruptive presence. And, you know, I don't know if, you know, we're going to get to April and be like, Oh, thank God the Blazers had Gary Payton this year. You know, once we, once things kind of shake out, but you know, after another cycle of roster building, um, you know, I, I think he's going to still be a really big difference maker for this team, you know, over the next three-year contract, right? Over the life of his contract. Two years with a player option, which I would I would, I would, guess if he stays yeah. healthy, he probably declines that player option yeah. and gets another. Like, but yes, essentially, yeah. Uh, either he's def- definitely the next year, possibly the year yeah. after is, the, is kind of the point. You, It's interesting. You bring, you bring up the next cycle of roster building. This is something I've just always been trying to tell people because I'm, I'm sure you're also getting – whether, you know, on Twitter or... Mm-hmm. Since you work for a newspaper, I'm sure you have, like, readers emailing letters. you. Letters. They're called letters, Sean. Right, but do you actually do you actually get, like, physical letters, or is it all is it all emails at this point? Do you still I get, like, t- physical letters into, like, your, your newspaper, like, in email, like, mailbox or whatever? Is I will tell you. I will tell you that I went into the newsroom uh, shortly before Christmas, and I hadn't been in for a while, and I also didn't know that I had a, a mailbox. I just okay. didn't know. Uh-huh. Like, so, somebody had, like, said, been like, Bill, we sent you a copy of, of Ralph Lawler's new book. Did you get it? And I was like, no, I didn't. Like, do you have my address? They're like, well, we sent it to the Oregonian. I'm like, oh, who knows where that ended up? <laughs> and then I, and I, I, I went in before Christmas, and it had been sitting there for a couple of months. And interspersed with a few um, a few books that people were hoping that I would uh, say something kind about, there were uh, there were a couple of letters. Um you know, I, they were a little bit dated at that point, but just I, I letters about like, oh, the Ducks lost this game. I'm mad about it. I'm going to write it, write a physical letter to the Oregonian sports. Yeah, like there was one sport. that was like, you know, I think you should look into this. I think there's some uh, tomfoolery going on in the, uh, you know, high school activities association. Um, I think that you should, you know, write more about you know, why why Ty Thompson doesn't get meaningful snaps for the Ducks. You know, whatever. I mean. 
Um, essentially, the, the, they're just the uh, like I get a lot of um, emails from you know older readers, right? Yeah. And then I think that the letters are from the even older readers, probably. <laughs> Basically, just the analog version of checking your mentions yeah. on Twitter, which is great, by the way. Like I love it. No, like, absolutely. I work, new, I, I work for a newspaper. Like I mean, my newspaper gets thrown at the front of my driveway four days a week. Like I, I love getting an actual letter. It's a real pleasant surprise. It's a I'm... really pleasant surprise. Somebody took, took took the time to like to put a stamp on something, you know, seal an envelope. My wife wants me to. Um, my wife wants me to start a, a, a feature series where, like, I invite uh, story requests or ideas from readers, but they have to send it in an actual letter because if you aren't gonna, willing to go to the trouble to put it in a stamp or put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it, then it probably isn't worth it. So that's something she's been nudging me to do. We'll see if it happens. That's actually a good idea. Mm-hmm. She has but, great ideas. But kind of what I was what I was getting at was that you and I both get a lot of feedback from readers. Your show. Sorry, Sean about no 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 dude this is this is great whenever i have someone on i always you know want it to kind of go in whatever direction it goes people listen to me talk all the time people don't you know yeah but 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 anyway like you and i both get a lot of feedback from our various Mm -hmm. you know readers audience whatever about how they're feeling about this team right now and the thing i keep and you know obviously right now people who are following the blazers aren't thrilled with the way things have gone over the last month or so and the thing that i have to keep reminding people of is that they've been very upfront and open about this being not the final product not being the version of the roster that they think is going to contend and it's going to be i don't know what they're going to do with the deadline i think they're going to do something probably not Mm -hmm. anything huge but something like they'll you know switch it joe will probably switch out you know a couple of bench guys for a couple of other bench guys that maybe fit better but where do you see them as, like, if we agree that they're a work in progress, where do you kind of mm-hmm. see them at right now as far as, like, how far along it is towards being, like, the finished product? I wrote something kind of along those lines this last week, which yeah. was, you know, I think in the early season when they were 10-4 and four and, you know, you know, Amphrey Simons was, was scorching hot and Jeremy was, you know, really comfortable and, and Josh looked really good. I think, you know, that I know I let myself sort of think, wow, maybe they're a lot closer than we thought. Uh-huh. Like, maybe they are, like, one or two, maybe one one move away from, like, you know, moving into the top three or four in the West. And then over the course of the season, like, some of that has has faded for me. And, like, because, like, I was at a point where I was like, oh, no, you can't think about trading Shade and Sharp because you're you're close enough without a Shade and Sharp. You don't, that's not a piece you need to push to get, to get there. Um, I'm not sure that's as true now. But, again, it's like, we're still, it's still very reactive to, you know, fairly minor swings in a season. Like the Blazers are more or less where I kind of thought they would be at this point. You know, I thought they would be roughly around 500. I thought being over 500 this year would be a success. You know, they're 21 and they're two games under right 2023. Um, You know, that's still very attainable. You know, they might check in a little bit under 500. Uh, So might, you know, the the Warriors, you know, the Suns, (laughs) like, the West is wacky this year. And I, you know, Dane has alluded to this a couple of times. I think that part of the frustration is there is an opportunity here for a team to be, you know, four games over 500 and sitting pretty in the West. And the Blazers have let enough games go where they were in position to, to, to be where Sacramento is right now. You know, and Sacramento is not a team that, you know, I think we viewed as being particularly, you know, better for than last year, but not not going to be world beaters. You know, probably kind of in the same mix as the Blazers. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought opening night was kind of a 
a good sort of like matchup, frankly, of two teams that were going to be sort of in the, the play in mix and to see Sacramento now, you know, and I think this is all going to evolve. Gonna I don't think, I don't like think Sacramento is necessarily going to be hosting a playoff series, but like, you know, the way the West has been has created that opportunity. And I think that, you know, the Blazers should be kicking themselves a little bit. That they're not there because I mean, however good you can be this year is just an even more meaningful springboard toward whatever next year is. And, and it does help you. It does make you feel better about what, what moves you need to make or, you know, allows you to be maybe a little more surgical about the moves you make. You know, I don't think they're in desperation mode by any stretch, but they should be a little bit better with the roster they have. I think like the record should be a little bit better. That said, there have, there was about a month where if you looked at a box score and you looked at their bench, you know, and again, credit to Chon, like I, you know, maybe it's just because I've covered teams where there was so much scrutiny that there was kind of just a lot of like, um, just a lot of like kind of puckering up when it came to information, uh-huh. but like listening to like, you know, Joe Cronin talk about, you know, knowing where they, that, where they are in their evolution and knowing that they you know have other moves to make listening to chauncey say hey like we're playing our starters too much and then when we don't play our starters we're playing teenagers and third stringers like yeah you're playing you know jabari walker and shaden sharp you know real minutes in games that you know you're losing by three and four points and games you're also trying to win it's not a situation where like totally like yeah. if like if Shade, I was just talk. I just went on Seth Partnow's uh, pod. Your mm-hmm. your former athletic colleague. We I went on his podcast yesterday, and we were talking about uh, you know Shade and Sharp playing. And it's like if if he had gotten drafted by like a Houston or a San Antonio where they're trying to tank, he yeah. could play thirty five minutes a game and just get up twenty yeah. shots every night, and yeah. it wouldn't matter because it's just about trying to develop him. But the fact that he's even playing twenty minutes a game on a team that's actually trying to win and trying to make the playoffs is. It's a lot to ask. 